0: Let me start out by saying that uh, I am from the desert, and so uh, all this water is new and foreign to me. I had to ask someone to explain to me yesterday. I was like, How, how can they predict flooding is coming? I didn't, and I was like, It's, it's not rain. They go, No, it's rained somewhere else, and the river's pushing it up this way. So I was really, I mean, I was just really confused by that. Um, I don't know whose homes are affected. And so if, if your home is affected, please let the church know. If there's something, uh, we're good at putting together crews of, of, of men and women to come muck out homes and to move stuff, but we can't help if we don't know. Um, so, so call up to the church tomorrow. Let us know. Uh, let us know today because it, it may be an emergency. You could text Jim or I or, or somehow put it on the, the prayer chain, uh, and, and we'll, we'll get that. We'd love to, to respond and help you with that. Um, I want you to settle in this morning as we gather around the Word of God. We've been uh, working through the book of James. And and today we're going to read the conclusion of the third chapter of the book of James. It's probably our our seventh week. So it's taken us seven weeks to get through three chapters of the book of James. And one thing that strikes us about the book of James uh, is, is it hits us right in the heart week after week. Is that James isn't just concerned about what we say or what we think, or what we believe. But the Word of God here in James is always concerned about what we do. There really seems to be a big part of James that's concerned about our actions, the way that we live our lives. And listen, that's probably a good balance for us reformers, uh, because we, we always focus on the fact that we are saved by grace through faith, and, that, and that's very much true, and that's very much good. But we also need to, to look the Word of God in the eye where it says... Uh, Yes, you're saved by grace. However, what you do in life matters. Christian virtue still matters. And and so James has been good for us to read together. And and last week, uh, James talked at length about the way we we use our tongue, the things that we say. And we were reminded that what we say matters because uh, what we say has power to steer our entire body and our soul and, and many of us were left with, with great uh, con- conviction and, and repentance uh, before we came and had communion last week. And this week we're going to pivot a little bit. We're not going to be talking about the tongue. We're going to be talking about wisdom. I believe that uh, the entirety of, of James chapter 3, which we've been on the last two weeks, is focused on, on, on believers in, in the early church. Who are wrestling, and they're kind of wrestling, kind of like we do with with life in the community of faith. How, how do we get along? How do we work together? And and when I read James chapter three, uh, I kind of my imagination kind of gets going, and I and I imagine that James is speaking to a, a big group of believers. That maybe he's got them all gathered together in the synagogue, and 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 or an early church. And now now of course this is a letter, so I'm using my imagination when I imagine that he's speaking to them. Uh, but when I read it, I play out this imaginary scenario where James is, is standing before his audience and they're all sitting on the ground in front of him and they're really packed in and James is uh, standing up front and he preaches and he's got this great authority because if you remember the author here, James, he's, he's the actual brother of Jesus and he's known to be this great prayer warrior. Uh, he's known to be humble and just. Remember his nickname, is he's got two, James the Just and Old Camel Knees, remember that? It's called Old Camel Knees because he's on his knees praying so much that his, his knees are all messed up. And in my imagination, as he paces the room, he's got a lot of respect. People really respect him almost more than anyone in the early church. And uh, he teaches from, from chapter 3. And so the first thing he says to them as he paces the room is he says, Listen, not, not all of you guys should try to be teachers, and he gives his explanation for why they, they shouldn't all try to be teachers in the church. And then as he continues on, his next point, and he's slow to deliver. And he says, uh, some of you need to start controlling your tongues and what you say. Because it's gotten out of hand and it, and it doesn't glorify God. And so out of the same mouth in which you sing those praises to God, you say curses about your, your friends and, and your brothers and sisters in Christ. And then finally, as James walks across the room and all eyes are are, are stuck on him, he says something along the lines of, now we need to talk about your wisdom. And he asks this question, which of you sitting in this room thinks that they are wise? And I have this little imaginary situation in my head where James says, go ahead, raise your hand if you think you're wise. And he, he looks out. Now, to everyone sitting in, in the pews this morning, don't raise your hand because it's a trick. It's a trap, right? Uh, a wise man's probably not gonna raise his hand and say, hey, look at me, I'm so wise. But in my imagination, uh, for some reason, the crowd is full of these these kind of these brash and these confident people who have no problem putting their hands in the air These people they they fancy themselves wise, and they may have been the same set of people who James was trying to persuade. Like uh, you, you may not need to want to become a teacher early in chapter three. And in my imagination, these people are they're they're ambitious. These people are confident problem solvers. Uh, They are good at business. These people know how to make money. They're they're leaders of men. And, and they really do believe they're wise, and so their hands go straight up. And as uh, James the Just, old camel knees, slowly walks in front of the room, he, he surveys it, and he suggests, "You know, my friends, there are there are two kinds of wisdom. This is the wisdom that comes from above, and there's another wisdom that comes from the earth. There, there's one kind of wisdom." that's from God and there's another kind of wisdom and, and this is what James says he says that it's it's a demonic wisdom I imagine James looks at the crowd and he sees a bunch of people who are kind of slowly lowering their heads hands as if they'd never been raised and he says some of you who consider yourself wise may only have an earthly wisdom but you certainly don't have true wisdom. And then James begins to, to, to teach them how to, how to tell these two apart. That's, that's how I play this out in my imagination. Now, I want to read the real text together this morning as we teach from, from James 3, 13 through 18. It's, it's our tradition to honor the Word of God by standing when it's read. So if you're able, I want to invite you to do so now. And before we read God's Word, let's, uh, let's have a word of prayer. Father, there are a lot of voices in our life that tell us what we should do and what we shouldn't do. There are always people trying to influence us. It is our desire, Lord, to align our lives by your holy word, not the words and the impressions of men. So we stand to position our hearts to hear your word today. May, May it be for us a mirror by which we look at ourselves and see our own brokenness and sin. And are reminded of the grace of Christ Jesus. We pray this in Christ's name. And the church said amen. Uh, Hear now the word of the Lord, uh, beginning in James uh, 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts... Do not boast and be false in the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is, is first pure, then it's, it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's, it's open to reason full of mercy and and good fruits, it's impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Church, the grass withers and the flowers may fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever, and this is the word of our Lord, thanks be to God. Please be seated. So there it is. James starts with this question. And it might as well be a question for you and for me. Who is wise and understanding among you? Once again, don't, don't raise your hand. I think that's a trick. But simply consider has the Lord given you wisdom? Is, is that something that you're you're good at? Is that maybe a spiritual gift of yours? Are you able to, to navigate? difficult situations with ease? Are you able to, to solve tough social dilemmas that, that that seem to paralyze other people? Let's explore wisdom a little bit this morning. I'm going to assume that, that wisdom is something that most of us desire. I mean, I've never met anybody who says, you know, I, I don't want to be wise. I, I think most people uh, want to be wise, and I think most people, if they consider themselves in the pew this morning, would think of themselves as moderately wise, right? I, I don't think there's a lot of you who are coming in here today kind of going, I am very, very wise. Tyson, teach me about it. But, but I'm, I, I consider myself to be of the wisest people ever made. And I don't think there's many people in the pew this morning who are sitting there going, I am a fool. I have no wisdom in my life. Um, I think most of us think that we are, we're kind of wise on a good day, right? And I think that's where most of us land. We have some confidence in our wisdom But I think some of us who think that we're wise, um, maybe we don't have the kind of wisdom that Scripture is talking about. So here's the question. How can we know if someone is truly wise? That's an interesting question. How do you know if someone is truly wise? And it's worth considering because we're asked to come in here and and nominate elders and deacons, and we're trying to figure out, is that a wise person? Is that a wise person? We're trying to figure out who we're going to marry in this world, and we've got to figure out, is, is this a wise person, or is this a wise person? And we're trying to raise our grandchildren and our children. And we're trying to figure out, you know, how to give them wisdom. So so what is true wisdom? If we can put up verse 13, I I think that would be helpful for today. Who is is wise and understanding among you? It says, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So according to scripture, wisdom is more than just cleverness. It's more than training. It's more than being able to answer some tough questions. Scripture says true wisdom is found in someone's conduct. It's, it, it, wisdom is something that can be shown. We exhibit it in the way that we live our lives and our actions. So if, if we look at someone's actions to see if they're wise, you, you're trying to figure out the person I'm dating, are they wise? Uh, is the person I'm thinking about nominating for elder, are they wise? What actions do we look for When searching to see if someone is wise. And what does 13 say? It says, uh, let let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So in other words, someone who is wise will demonstrate wisdom through a, a, a kind of a meek conduct. Now we need to understand rightly probably what meekness is in order to learn to be wise. Because some people hear, hear James talk about meekness and they think he's talking about weakness. right? How many times we, we hear the word meek and we attribute it to this idea of being weak or, or puny, uh, being helpless? Uh, that's not meekness. That's not what leads to wisdom. I want to suggest to you that, that meekness is knowing your place before God. And that's, that's what I want, to, I, want, I want to make a case today, that, that meekness is simply knowing your place before God. And here's what I mean by that, and I think it's going to help us understand meekness. A person who is meek is aware of three fundamental truths about their place before God. Uh, first, meek people who know their place before God are aware that they are, that they are lost but by the grace of God, that they're not entitled to grace and, and, and that we're not deserving of it. I think we talk about that often, that, that, that there's, we don't deserve God's grace. You don't deserve God's grace. There's nothing you've done that entitle you to that. A lot of times uh, we'll be over there in Mercy Medical and people will walk in. And, and before they get medical treatment, a lot of times what we'll do with them is we'll talk to them about their, about their soul and their spirit. And we'll sit down and we'll do some questions, some EE questions. And um, and one of the questions we ask them often is, is say hey if you if you walked in and we're at the, standing at the pearly gates and stood before Saint Peter and he said you know God was there and God said you know why should I let you in my heaven and what would you say to them and it's really funny to hear what people will say because uh, because usually they start off with something like this well I, I, I hardly ever cuss I've never cheated on my wife and I'm a pretty good person I don't kick puppies you know I don't drink cuss or chew or make out with women that do. You know, I mean, just, there's this whole logic there. And, uh, and we have to stop them and say, that's, that's great, but that's not the gospel, right? You, you're not saved because you're a good person. The answer to why should I let you in my heaven is, is always um, because I'm a sinner saved by grace, like, like I, I don't deserve it. And, and, and for some reason, I have confessed faith in Jesus and he has placed in me a new spirit, and that spirit has allowed me to, to, to repent of my sins and have a new nature. That, so the person who is aware of their place before God, uh, they'll tell you that they don't deserve it, that, that, that Christ deserves it. But by grace, that, that somehow they've inherited the merits of Christ. They know that they're not worthy. They're just a sinner who's been blessed by grace. Isaiah was made very aware of his place before God. I don't know how many of you have read Isaiah much, but in the 6th chapter, he, he has this vision and he goes before the throne room of God. And it's one of those big, like, like giant throne rooms. You know, the train of his robe fills the throne room. It, it, it's a very intimidating place. And Isaiah's eyes are opening and he goes, Oh man, I'm in trouble. Like, because like, the awareness of God there, he's like, I'm, He's aware of his sinfulness. And this is what he says. So what Isaiah says, He says, Woe is me, for I am lost. He says, He's lost. I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a, a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. In the presence of God, you will become meek. You know what I mean? It, it's, not, it's not an if, it's a, it's a you will. If you come before the, uh, the Lord, you're gonna clearly understand your place before God. I wanna tell you that before you can obtain wisdom, you have to be weak enough to know your place that you don't deserve heaven You're not the king of the universe. And when you meet him, you're going to melt like butter. And just like Isaiah, you're going to cry, woe is me. Meekness comes to those who know their place, saved by grace, not the king, thankful for eternity. The second part of of, of knowing your place before God that leads to being meek and wise is this. Know your role in vengeance. You understand that? Know your and, and here's what I mean by that. Know your role in vengeance. I, I told you that, that meekness is not weakness, and it's far from it, but when it comes to revenge and conflict in your life, both meekness and wisdom are displayed in your ability to, to, to know your place. And when it comes to vengeance and revenge, neither one of those things is the right of the Christian. You understand that? Like, like revenge... And vengeance is not your right. It's, vengeance is not yours to take. And, and meek, meek people understand this. It's part of what makes the meek people so wise. It's, it's Numbers 12 back in, in the Old Testament. And Moses' brother and sister, Miriam and, and Aaron, they come to see Moses. And they begin, to, they, they begin to criticize Moses. And here's what they say. How could you marry this Cushite woman? They begin to criticize him for the woman that he married. And can you imagine how, how it would make you feel to have your siblings come and criticize your spouse? And as, as the co- conversation progresses, Moses' brother and sister, they kind of start getting a little catty with him. They start getting mean. And they say something like, has the Lord only spoken through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And you can imagine what Moses is thinking. He's like, man, first you insult my wife and, and now you're picking a fight. And here's what scripture says happens next. It says that, and the Lord heard it. And then it says this, now the man Moses was very meek, more than all the men who were on the face of the earth. What a strange thing to to break into right there. It just breaks into telling us that Moses is meek. And then it says, and the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come out you three to the tent of meeting. It's like, that's a scary thing when, you, when you're kind of talking, you're chastising your brother, and the Lord says, I need to speak with you. And that's what happens. Can you imagine what happens next? Uh, God chastises his Mo- Moses' siblings, Aaron and Miriam, for their attacks on Moses. And, and God vindicates Moses. But, but here's what's interesting. Why did scripture stop there in the middle and just throw out the fact that, oh yeah, by the way, Moses was so meek. In fact, he was the meekest man on the entire earth. That's an interesting fact to point out there. I think the point was that that Moses knew his place and that when when he had these attacks, he didn't take vengeance himself, but the the Lord had this space that if the Lord was going to take vengeance, he would. And and so Moses knows it's not his to take. He's meek there. The first way a, a meek man is wise is that he knows that he's a sinner saved by grace and that he does not deserve it. The second way that a meek man is wise is that He knows the vengeance is not his own. Lastly, the third reason that the meek man is wise is because he realizes that God loves his Christian brothers and sisters just as much as he loves him. Does that make sense? Uh, You can gain great wisdom when you realize that God loves everyone in this room in the same manner that he loves you. You need to know your place before God. You are loved, but you are not loved uniquely. You're among the church who are also loved by God. And when you forget your place and you attack or abuse God's loved ones, you are neither wise nor are you meek. Uh, a meek person loves his neighbor because God loves his neighbor. And the meek person knows his place If another person is loved by God, my place is to love them too. That is what it means to be meek, and it's not weakness. Meekness is knowing your place before God, rightly seeing yourself as not deserving of God's grace, not taking vengeance upon yourself that belongs to the Lord, and loving others because God loves them. And James says, uh, you want to know who's wise? Look for a man who has a meek conduct. Who knows his, his place before the Lord. And, and the way that James is gonna get at this next is he's gonna say, I'm gonna show you a picture of someone who is not meek. And so put up verse 14, and we'll look at a person who is not weak. He says, But, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and be false in the truth. He starts with bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, two traits that spit really right in the face of meekness and wisdom. No one knows their place before God uh, and at the same time finds himself jealous of a brother. You're just gonna be one or the other. They're mutually exclusive, you can't be both. Jealousy is the sin of someone who feels entitled. And entitled people are not meek. Entitled people say I deserve, that I deserve, her I deserve, what do you deserve? The person who knows their place before the Lord knows that what they really deserve is is hell and death. But they're getting so much more than they deserve. Selfish ambition is jealousy's close cousin. It's funny how I think some people in our culture actually see, they see selfish ambition as a kind of wisdom. Have you ever noticed that? Like like if you really think about it, if you're really honest, they would see someone who's who's selfishly ambitious and they would go, you know what, that is a kind of wisdom. Of wisdom. It, it may be a, a false wisdom, but, but it's a, a wisdom that the world will, will recognize. I was watching uh, the TV show Survivor this week. Anybody watch Survivor? It's a great show, man. If you, if you want to see the wickedness of the human heart, you can see it on Survivor. And I was really aware there that the people there are, are, are highly motivated by selfish ambition. This season, They've 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 upped the prize money to to two million dollars, and they brought back everyone playing survivor this year has won it once before. So you've got all these experts in in how to outwit, outplay, outlast, to manipulate, to lie, and to play the social game and experiment that is survivor and and i And I've been watching this and, and you would see. Uh, there was a woman on the show last time, and she realized, she goes, hey, things are really ramping up, so I'm going to have to start spinning lies. I'm going to have to start doing all this stuff. And I can tell you that there's someone who's out there who's listening to this lady spin those lies and manipulate the crowd, and, and they're thinking to themselves, they're talking to their, their wife on the couch, they're going, you know what, she is so wise. She is just really, really wise, the way she does all that. You, you know that there's, there's people in our world who see that kind of thing as wisdom. And that's an extreme example, but you know what I mean. In the workplace and in social situations, we tend to confuse like selfish craftiness with wisdom. And I imagine that some of those men who raised their hand in the first story, considered themselves wise, probably were great at, at stepping on other people to get what they wanted. And James would say, this is, not, this is not wisdom and it's not meekness either. When I think about it, when I'm really honest about, about my life, I think I'm in a place where I really need to be wise only about three times a week. I don't know how often you're, you're in a position where you really need to be wise, but I would think that my life, my job calls for me to be really wise about three times a week. Now, there's, there's weeks where I need it about 50 times, but on a general week, I think it's about three times. And, and let me paint the scenario to you and see if you understand it. Uh, here's a scenario. As a leader... I'm forced to make a decision. And the decision that I need to make has a high probability of hurting someone's feelings. You understand that? You've you've been there in your life. Like, like if, if I choose left, this half the room's gonna be mad. And if I choose right, this half the room's gonna be mad. And, and, and in that moment, uh, I'm sure what the decision is. In my heart, I know what's right. Like, and... But it's going to cause someone in the church to feel rejected. Have you ever experienced that scenario like maybe in your life where you realize you have to make a decision and, and you know the decision is right, but it's going to cause people to have hurt feelings? True wisdom, that, that, that meek wisdom, is the ability to navigate that scenario in such meekness, in such a way that you do what's right and the people around you don't get injured. That's hard. That's hard. That's tricky. That's wisdom. Do you have scenarios like that in your life where where you know what the right decision is to move forward, but if you do, your friend's going to be injured? Those situations call for wisdom. James says in, in verse 17, put it up there, 17 if we can. The wisdom from above is first pure, then it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's open to reason, it's full of mercy and good fruits, and it's impartial and sincere. Meek wisdom is first pure, peaceable, and gentle. You can't be wise, and I think you understand what I'm saying when I say this. You, you can't be wise, if, if you're, even if you're making all the right decisions, but you're leaving a trail of bloodied bodies in your wake. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like, like you can make all the right decisions, but but if you're hurting people and you're leaving them injured all behind you, you, you're not really wise. If you're constantly in your life fighting with other people, if you feel like you're always in, in conflict, let me clear something up. You are neither meek nor wise, and you don't know your place before God. Wisdom is about being a peacemaker. And being filled with like this mercy for others. And a person who is truly wise will figure out a way to, to do what they know is right. They'll figure out a way to reach their goals and to do their job. And somehow do it all without harming their brothers. And sometimes that seems almost impossible. But that's, why, that's why Proverbs says that, that wisdom is so special. Over and over again, Proverbs talks about the, how, how, how valuable wisdom is. It says, How much better to get wisdom than to get gold. And let, me, let me end by saying this You want to know how to tell if someone is wise. Scripture says you can tell by their, their conduct, they will act meek. And meekness is not weakness, because the meek know their place before God. They know that they are forgiven and they don't deserve it. They know vengeance is the Lord. They know that God loves their brothers and sisters and so they love them as well. They're able to find ways to accomplish the tough tasks of the day without causing harm to the people around them. They are peacemakers. So back to the original question that James asked his audience and he asks us today, who is wise and understanding among you? Is this an area of your life that you need to to grow in? Have you forgotten your place before God? Have you left bloody bodies in in the wake of accomplishing your goals? I want to ask you to join me today as we pray for wisdom and as we repent for our sins of not knowing our place before the Lord. Let's let's do that together. Father, ultimately, uh, our hope is not in our righteousness, but it's in the righteousness of Jesus. Yet out of uh, having hearts of thanksgiving, we, we want to live a life of righteousness. Father, we want to be wise people, and so we ask now for your wisdom. And we understand that that begins with fear of the Lord, of knowing our place before you, God, of, of knowing that we are forgiven and not entitled, that vengeance is not ours, and that you love those around us, and we should too. God, help us to have a meekness and a meek kind of wisdom that allows us to accomplish everything you've put before us and at the same time to love those around us. We pray for this kind of wisdom and we pray for it in the name of Jesus and all the church said, amen.